Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. I am your host, Greg. You're listening to episode 213. I am here tonight with Tyler. Ryan has something else go. He's got friends, apparently. Who knew? Ryan had friends. Uh, we, have little, <laughs> we have a little bit to talk about tonight. Uh, exciting times in Detroit, finally. Uh, there's a push going on. The Red Wings had a strong uh, road stand. And actually, the past 10 games have been really good. But Tyler, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. As you alluded to, the wings are playing good. Um, It's starting to line up where if they were to make the playoffs, they would play Boston. And and you know what that that would mean for this apartment here that I live in with my two roommates who are both Bruins fans. That would be quite interesting. And and I told them, I, I, I said, don't let us play you. And more importantly, for your guys' sake, do not let us beat you. Because if you, if we beat you, you will never, and I mean never, hear the end of it. Ever. Someone's so being kicked out of the apartment. <laughs> don't let it happen. But anyways, yeah, no, I'm doing good. Uh, everything's well here. We're apparently getting snow again tonight. So my commute to work should be kind of a disaster tomorrow morning. But Oh, we have an ice storm happening currently. Everything is ice. Yeah. I heard I saw someone say that they woke up this morning and their car was basically a sheet of ice. So that's good. Yeah. So we do have a show tonight. I mean, there's there's stuff to talk about. Uh, The Red Wings right now, they went four and one in their West Coast trip. They are seven in three in their past 10 games, losing only to and I just had it pulled up, losing only to the Kraken, the Oilers and the Islanders. Those are the three they lost to. Uh, But they're, I mean, it's good. And they look good while winning. Dylan Larkin was kicked out of the last game after 12 minutes, and they still won that game three to one against the Washington Capitals. I mean, what are these Washington Capitals without Alex Ovechkin? Because they look really, really bad. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the Wings deserve credit for going in there and winning uh, without, basically without Dylan Larkin, who I believe played five minutes in the game. Um, which we can talk about how garbage of a call that was, regardless of the situation. Um, you know, they deserve credit for going in there in Washington, which is historically a tough place to play. Um, and yeah, I, they didn't have Ovechkin, but you know what? That doesn't matter. You still got to win that game. And they went in there and they won a big game. Um, so they deserve the credit. Suter's on fire right now. Um, is there a more hot player on this team besides Dylan Larkin than than Pew Suter? I mean, he's he's been unbelievable, man. Like, you know, they teams like this, if you're gonna push for a playoff spot, you're gonna have players like Pew Suter and Dominic Kubalik and you know, Jacob Verano who came back last night, and and you know, players like that are gonna have to make an impact. They're gonna have to, you know, put their fingerprints on this if if they are gonna get to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, Suter had uh, two goals. He had a shorthanded goal against uh, Washington, and then he had another just beautiful. And it's it's coming out of nowhere. I mean, Pia Suter, he has had a scoring touch before. I mean, he scored a hat trick against the Red Wings, and he almost scored another one last night. 
And we were kind of, I mean, said we're slightly disappointed in Pia Suter this season for what he had produced. He had solid five on five actual play, but it wasn't resulting in points. So it's kind of quiet there. But then he's, like you said, over the past few games, it's just kind of exploded, starting scoring goals, getting good looks. It, it seems to be he's having fun playing. And I think that's one of the big things is the guys are having fun. When you're winning like this, you're having fun. You're playing a little bit more relaxed. And then in turn, you play better hockey because you're playing more relaxed and you've got a little bit of swagger now because you are in a playoff race. And beating Washington is a team you needed to beat because you have games in hand on them and they're right above you in the standings. So I, I think it's a big and we had said a while ago, Ryan was digging through the uh, Grindline podcast archives there. And I had mentioned a while back in like episode 185 that if you got to this point in the season that we're at now and maybe teams like Washington catch a tough break. Losing Alex Ovechkin for like five games, that's a tough break or four games or however long. And now he he's day to day. So Lord knows when he's coming back. Well, he was on his way back from Russia, I think, yesterday. So like that's a tough break. The, maybe the Pens had a tough break and they start losing games. So it's these breaks that you have to have uh, other teams catch that you take advantage of at that point and you slowly move your way up. And we had said, and Tyler, you're not the only one that said, because I went back and found the receipts, we could be a playoff team. There's yeah, a chance. Yeah, but I said it at the beginning of the team. I said, gun to my head, they're in the playoffs. Okay. But we had all said at some point, even at the very beginning of the season, that this could be, if everything goes right, goes their way, this could be a wild card team. Now, are they a playoff team? They're No, they're a team that's in the playoffs. They're not a team that is built for playoffs. They're a team that's going to get their skull stomped in by Boston if that's the first round matchup. Uh, matchup. But it'll get the city excited again. It'll get the fan base excited again. People will clamor for those tickets. That'll be the loudest you ever hear that arena. And it's fun to talk about, hey, maybe the Red Wings will make the playoffs. But they look good doing it, and they're having fun doing it. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is like, yeah, once you get to the playoffs, you never know. They're not going to win the Stanley Cup. We all know that. But could they could they push Boston to the limit and go to seven? Could they, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that they're going to do this because, you know, we haven't seen this particular group, um, you know, get to that level and beat teams like that. But, I mean, they have a tough schedule going down the stretch here. Uh, one of the tough, I think, the toughest in the NHL. So I think they said as of yesterday, it was this now the second toughest schedule. Okay, second toughest. Okay, so they weathered the storm a bit, which is good. And Pittsburgh, by the way, has now lost three straight. So, um, you know, Washington, Pittsburgh, Washington lost five straight. Pittsburgh's lost three. And you've won seven of your last 10. And they've been good, as we all know. Um, and this is all coming on the road for the most part. You know, they've. They've really kind of bonded together. Lalonde was talking about this. Um, I think it was yesterday before the game. Um, that Or no, it was after the game yesterday, um, the, the uh, Washington game, basically saying that, you know, the road was good for the guys. Everybody got to know each other a little bit more and, uh, you know, gelled a little bit. And, I mean, look at, man, like you see what's in front of you. Florida, does that team strike you like a team that's just going to go on fire all of a sudden? They no, haven't and done that, it all year surprise, long. That surprises me too. Yeah, they haven't done it all year long. It's a very different team than the team that won the President's Trophy last year. Their goaltending hasn't hasn't been as good. Bobrovsky's been up and down. Uh, Spencer Knight's been up and down. So I mean, yeah, like the if you look at their record, yeah, they're you know they're ahead of the Wings, uh, but you know the Wings are right there, and and it can happen. You know if if they can, the stretch is going to be tough, but they're going to have to you know, get points where they can get points and try and win as many games as possible, especially the road ahead isn't that easy. Well, if the season ended right now, if for some reason they're like, okay, season over, the Red Wings would have the first wildcard spot based on, or would have the second wildcard spot based on points percentage. The only points percentage right now in the wildcard race better than the Red Wings is the Pittsburgh Penguins with a 5-6-3 win percentage, or points percentage, and the Red Wings with a 5-5-4 points percentage. But... Right now, we sit in fourth in the wild card race with 62 points behind the Islanders at 65, the Panthers at 64, and the Pens at 63. So we are only 
two points out of a wild card spot. But we do have four games in hand on the Florida Panthers. We have four games in hand on the Islanders. And we have the same amount of games played as the Pittsburgh Penguins. So down the stretch, I could totally see us in Pittsburgh taking the final two spots. But if you look the opposite way, we still have three games at hand on the Washington Capitals. They have the same amount of points as us at 62. Buffalo has a game in hand on us and is two points behind us. And Ottawa is at 58 points with the same amount of games played as us. So it's going to be a tight race, I think, right up until the end. And I think that's where things get interesting moving into the trade deadline because we did an episode. What was two days? Was it last episode even or two two episodes ago where it was just okay? No, it was last episode. Here's our trade board. Here's all the guys that could be out. Well, it's been a week now, a week and a half. That list has gone down. Olimata signed an extension, which is great. Olimata has been fantastic for Philip Kronick. He's been a solid defenseman that's been injected in this lineup and has performed well, outperformed his his season in L.A. in like the first half of this season. So it's good to have a guy like that. Now, you do run into a little bit of a log jam because you're trying to move in maybe a uh, Edvinson next season. I think definitely an Edvinson next season. Maybe Wallander comes into camp and impresses and you had to find a spot for him. You still haven't signed Jake Wallman. So the left side, if you sign Wallman, your left side's pretty locked down unless you can move a Ben Sherratt or shift a Ben Sherratt over, drop a, a Hague or drop a Osterley or a Lindstrom and, and kind of have a guy play his offside. But signing Olimata, I think, was a positive move. And it, it just it creates a little bit more of an issue moving guys in. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing you need to take into consideration as well, as good as the Islanders have been, you know, um, kind of at I wouldn't say as of late, I guess they're six, two and two in their last 10, but um, they just lost Matt Barzell for the foreseeable future too. So, I mean, not only are you getting some help from these teams losing, but you're also getting help from some injuries. Not that you obviously want to wish injury upon anybody, but I mean, if you want to make the playoffs, you're going to have to get some breaks. We've talked about this before. They're not a team that, that is going to be able to win their way in, um, I, I shouldn't say that. They are a team that's going to be able to win their way in, but they're going to need some luck as well. You know what I mean? They, they they need some luck. And sure, they do have some games in hand, which will help, but you still have to win those games. Ken Cal made a good point last night. Um, you know, you can have all the games in hand you want if you're playing the likes of Tampa and the Rangers, which the Wings are playing next. Uh, you know, those are going to be tough games to win. So, Yeah, what do you think about the Olimata signing? I like the Olimata signing. I know a lot of people didn't understand it. I was kind of one at first. I'm like, mm, I don't know if I understand it, considering I, I like Wallman better. He's like, you're younger. Uh, I think he's a better player and a better defender. But Olimata has been really good all year long. Um, he's deserved that extension, and I'm kind of glad he got it. Um, it. Like I said, just it took me a second to like, oh, okay, I could, I could see why they re-signed him, but... Um, you know, the, the stability is a huge thing, you know, especially, uh, you know, if you do make the playoffs this year or, you know, at the very least, you're playing important games in March and April. Right. So having stability going into next year and and having people on the team that have gone through a, a playoff run, um, not even saying a playoff run, but like, you know, a playoff push um, that brings value. And, and Steve Eisenman, obviously, we've talked about at nauseum is trying to bring a culture here that is a winning culture. And that's why instead of tanking for Bedard this year, he went out and, and signed the likes of Ben Sherratt and Andrew Kopp and guys like that to and David Perron as well to, you know, kind of solidify this team and, and kind of, I don't know, put put a more winning culture together. And so, I mean, that's that's what the Olimata thing to me kind of does, um, you know. Three million bucks for a guy that's steady defensively, actually really good defensively. Then he's not producing a ton on offense, but you know what? You're not. You don't need him to to produce a ton on offense. Um, but yeah, I like the deal overall. Yeah, and I think it does signify that maybe Iserman is thinking about the trade deadline a little differently. Now he did an interview with uh, SDPN Sports and Alan Walsh, who is an agent. Um, yeah, he's a co-managing director of Octagon Hockey. And it was a really good interview. He I pulled some of the quotes out that were more relevant to infer like news kind of information. 
He said that the Red Wings are in a good position now and that they weren't a few weeks ago. They're in the middle and now they have to make decisions in the next eight days. They're still trying to build and get better. He's not going to trade good assets for rentals, but they are open to trading for pieces that could be part of their future. So younger guys, we had talked a little bit off mic about Timo Meyer, uh, who I still think could be a possibility if they don't, if they're okay with giving up next year's first round a protected first round pick next year. We'd also talked about this a few episodes ago, but I wouldn't give away this year's first round pick. This draft is way too good to do that. Uh, he said in making the playoffs as an eight seed, they're running a business. This list is where it was a little interesting because I said, what's the point? Not what's the point, but is making the playoffs, knowing you're not going to go deep more important than trading guys like Bertuzzi, because that's the other thing we'll talk about in a little bit to get assets to secure your team a better future in a longer run. So he said in making the playoffs as an eighth seed, they're running a business and there's great value in making the playoffs on a short-term business plan. It's better for TV ratings and walk-ups at the gate that lead to revenue. That's a money decision right there. That's Chris Illich hand in the pot, basically. Uh, as a team, Steve says there's great value in making the playoffs, but what is the cost to improve the team to have a better chance? Experience is good for younger guys down the stretch, and anything can happen, but it's going to be tough, and they're still trying to build for the future. They're still not giving up high picks to acquire assets. So that's he reaffirmed his point that, no, they're not going to give up a ton of stuff to bring players in this season because they don't need to. They've gotten this far. Your your acquisitions were basically Bertuzzi not being injured and Jacob Verona slotting back into the lineup if he sticks. So I thought there was a lot of really good stuff coming out of there. A lot of it saying it's business decisions, but. Yeah, I don't care about that because, you know, Elliot Friedman and, and Jeff Merrick talked about it on 32 Thoughts, basically saying, you know, the wings, when, when they talked about the whole Bertuzzi situation and taking him off the trade block, what Merrick and, and Friedman were saying is the Wings haven't made the playoffs in, was it, six years now? This would be seven if they missed again. It's a tough sell to your fan base. At some point, you have to tell your fan base, you know what? We're going to try and make the playoffs. We're going to try to give you a little bit of, of benefit for sticking with us. And and you know what? I'm, I'm not saying go Morgan's the future to make the playoffs. I don't think that's a smart decision either, and no one would tell you that. And the ones that are are delusional beyond delusional. But if you can make incremental improvements on your team um, by not giving up much or barely giving up anything at all, I don't see why you wouldn't at least look at it. And then more so than anything, you know, if, if a team Meyer is is available, which, you know, a lot of people are saying he is available, then I mean, why wouldn't you at least look at that? Uh, if it if it happens to be this year's first round pick and they won't budge off of that, then they can go fuck themselves. If if it's. You know, if it's a man manageable trade that takes away from your roster a little bit and also takes away from your farm, but doesn't really kill you asset wise, then I don't understand why you wouldn't do it. But in terms of the business point of it, it makes a lot of sense. The Wings haven't made the playoffs in what, six or seven years now since since Little Caesars Arena has been around and a year before that because they missed the last year at the Joe. So. There's a generation of Red Wings fans. I shouldn't say a generation, but, you know, there's young Red Wings fans that it used to be us that that never saw anything but the playoffs. And now these kids growing up don't know the Red Wings being good at all. So you need to you need to start influxing some youth into this fan base and, and getting some excitement. So, you know, what? I do understand it, but the cost can't be it can't be insane because, you know, what? if it is, then it sets your rebuild back, really. I mean, because. Making the playoffs is one thing. You don't want to just make the playoffs once and then be bounced and, and not not be back next year. You want to make the playoffs and and start somewhat of a streak. You know what I mean? Start, you know, making the playoffs five or six years. That you want to add talent that is going to keep you in the playoffs, not just get you to the playoffs. Right. We don't we don't need we've seen what 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 it's like to be mediocre, you know, the last four or five years of, of the 25 year playoff streak. We don't need that again. We don't need the likes of Jakob Kindle and Jonathan Erickson and, you know, these Tomas Yurko and all these guys running around out there, you know, blocking a million shots and just squeaking by with one point games. And then, you know, 
they were decent enough to make the playoffs and then, you know, obviously got bounced by Boston and then bounced by Tampa twice. And, and so we don't need that. We we've seen what that's like. And um, you know, I, I, I know I can speak for myself and I could probably speak for you. You don't want to see that either. So. No, I, and I've said the whole time and I like how you use the word influx as a verb because I don't think influxing is a word, but you made it work. Um, I don't want to see, and I've said this, I've, I've argued this so many times this season and it, it happens when we win a game and you start talking about trade deadline and everyone says, well, don't trade anyone. Just stay pat and just make a run. Yeah, you can't stand pat. I don't think you can either. And I think you, I think Iserman will be smart and he will sell off a few pieces that if he does or is not going to super impact this run. I think you could still make playoffs if you traded Tyler Bertuzzi. I think you could. I agree. But the, the thing is, if you're trading Bertuzzi, you better be getting something back that can help you right now. I mean, you'd ha- probably get a roster player because the team you're trading him to is not going to be able to take his salary without giving up a roster player. But here's the thing. If you're not trading Bertuzzi, and if someone comes along and offers you a second round pick and an A prospect for Tyler Bertuzzi, or Ryan O'Reilly got, was it Ryan O'Reilly and Nola uh, Chari got what, three or four picks? Yeah, for the them? first, the second, the third, and the fourth. Yeah, so if Tyler Bertuzzi could get you a first and a prospect, or if he could get you a second and a really high-level prospect, I have to do that deal. That's that's the thing. is Those are pieces that either, A, are going to help you, like I said, long-run playoff picture, or B, let you package those things like extra picks and move up in the draft, or acquire a player like Timo Meyer. To me, it feels like they're trying to do both. It feels to me, it feels like they're trying to build a sustainable Stanley Cup contender. But they also, they I guess there's three parts to this. They're trying to build a Stanley Cup contender, a sustainable Stanley Cup contender like Tampa Bay, like Boston, like you know those teams. But they're also they don't want to mortgage the future, which is good. But they want to make the playoffs. They don't want to tank. They want to make the playoffs. They want to get that extra gate. They want to get that extra buzz, the excitement. You're not going to see Little Caesars Arena uh, as loud in the regular season unless it's like the last game and they need to win it to get to the Stanley Cup playoffs. You're not going to see it that loud until you get to the playoffs, and it's going to be insane if that does happen. Even if it's Boston or even if it, you know you get up to that that first wild card and you end up playing – uh, either the Rangers or Carolina. I mean, man, don't tempt me with a good time. Well, what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a little commercial break. And when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more about trade deadline. We'll talk about Jacob Verana and kind of the lineup decisions that there are to make. But uh, stick around. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA team, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. This time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is well and good, but most of the time, pretty unrealistic. I've actually found the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be part of a big change if something you use every day, like my Raycons. Raycon is a premium audio at the perfect price point so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that will last all night into your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycon start at half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each or a pair in a spare and still pay less than what you would with some other guys. That way you can keep one pair in your bag, one pair in your bedroom, one pair in your car, and you're still paying less than other premium brands on the market. Even if you know you love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. 
Your Raycons have three customizable sound profiles for when you're watching movies, listening to music, or playing games. They get a long eight hours of playtime for the everyday earbuds and 11 for the everyday speaker. And they are water and sweat resistant for those Michigan winters where you have to be out shoveling or snowblowing the driveway. So if you're ready to buy something small with a big impact, go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today and get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off buyraycon.com slash THPN. And we're back and we're going to talk a little bit more about trade deadline before we hop into the lineup changes. So with all of that Iserman said and that he's still looking for trades to improve the team, I count trading off some pieces as improving the team. So Pia Suter's hot right now. You trade Pia Suter? No, no, no. You don't think so? No. Even though he's just hot now? No, because he's... It's a tough sell to your team that, you know, you're someone that you've gone to battle with all season long that you've gotten to this point and you're hot. And now Eisenman goes and takes one of the more hot players on the team right now and and ships them off to a contender. But they say every step of the way, it's a business decision. And the players know that the players have said that all the time. When guys go and Anthony Mantha got traded. And they interviewed Dylan Larkin. He's like, we understand it's a business. They've got to do what they have to do to make it better. It's a different situation now, though, because you're in a playoff race and, and, you know, you're two points out right now. If you were six points out and with no games in hand, I could say, you know what? Trade Bertuzzi, trade Suter, trade Wallman if you need to. I wouldn't trade Wallman personally. I would want to resign. I wouldn't either. Yeah, I mean, I, I no, I'm no on Suter. No, I'm no on Suter, but but we'll see about anybody else. So who are you a yes on then? I would be a yes on Bertuzzi, but it depends on what you're getting back. Like if if Bertuzzi is, you're not going to trade Bertuzzi to San Jose for Timo Meyer. No. Like that, that's not happening because San Jose is not even close to contending. But say, I don't know, is there anyone on St. Louis that you would want? I mean, not really. We already have that entire team, basically. Trying to, th- I'm trying to think if there's any bits for Bertuzzi that would not only like Tampa. Tampa would be interesting, right? So, what if you traded Tampa Bertuzzi and you got back one of their roster players? It would have to be a really good defenseman, or it would have to be an impact winger. What if it was like or Kalorn? center? I think I don't think Kalorn fits because of age. Yeah, that's, that's a thing. Yeah, I think we had talked about Anthony Sorelli. Toronto would have been the perfect fit for him. And they went after Ryan O'Reilly and they went after O'Reilly. So uh, the other team that kind of intrigues me, too. Um, well, the other part of news on that, Tyler, is that Elliot Freeman reported that Bertuzzi's off the table anyways. Yeah, but do you believe that? I... <sighs> With Iserman's responses today, I could see I could see it both ways. I could see it as, yeah, sure, he could be off the table now until the Red Wings lose two more games, then he's back on the table. Or it could be, hey, I saw what Ryan O'Reilly got. Here's the offers I'm getting. I'm just going to say Bertuzzi's off the table. And because I say that, now people are going to want him even more. Teams are going to get even more desperate knowing that they can't have him. It's kind of like, it's kind of like those relationships where I knew you were like, going to go there where it's like, oh, it's just I, I can't have it. So it makes me want it more. Right, Tyler? So it's sure. I think they could be doing that with Tyler Bertuzzi because I I don't think I would be comfortable in a situation where we kept Tyler Bertuzzi knowing that he's going to walk in free agency for nothing, getting nothing for him because What's floating around now is that Tyler Bertuzzi wants a long-term high-value contract. And he's only played 26 games this season. And I'm not prepared to offer him more than three years. DMAC was saying on Big D Energy, saying something about maybe Bertuzzi getting an extension. But that that's $6 million per year? I'm not doing that. I would give him, like, I think my, my limit on Bertuzzi was a three-year, $5 million deal. Yeah, I'm not going to six million. I'm not going to seven million. He wants to get that. He can get that at open market. He hasn't had a good enough season this year to to believe it. And you know what? 
I what could you resign him to a one year deal, prove it kind of thing? I don't think he would take it. But if that's something that he's willing to take, then I, if I'm Eiserman, I'm I'm doing that. But I think if that was the case, they probably would have signed that already by now. And my thought would be he wants a long term deal with money attached to it because he's at that age where that's what they're looking for. Guys at age 26, 27, 28 years old, they're looking for the stability and the money to be there. So I just, I don't think that Iserman is comfortable giving him that considering his injury history. He's had back surgery. He hadn't, he was out for a couple of games with an upper body injury after being out with two broken hands. So, and in the role he plays as a grinder, it's a, it's a more physical role. So I don't think the body, I think a Bertuzzi you look at now, and I think a Bertuzzi you look at at age 32 are going to be two far different players. So I think that I think that you you trade him because you can get the assets. I'm just not comfortable letting him walk for nothing. And I did put up a poll on it that said the Detroit Red Wings have a handful of games in hand on most of the teams chasing uh, two points out of the last wildcard spot and one of the hardest schedules to finish the year. Knowing all this, do you keep Tyler Bertuzzi? And 52. the other thing is, too, right? I mean, not you're not going to let me give the poll results, Tyler. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 52.2% of people said keep him. 47.8 said trade him. So it's almost an, and that's over 3,000 votes. It's almost an even split down the middle. I mean, you're two percentage points off. And I, I mean, we're split. The fan base is split. It's, it's a tough call. It's a hard decision because, you know, like, Half the fan base probably thinks he's part of the core going forward. And half of the fan base is probably on both of our sides where we 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 don't really see the fit going forward. We see the fit now, uh, but the fit going forward, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense considering when you're ready to win, uh, even if it's, say, a year and a half earlier than you thought it would be, he's still going to be 32, 33, 34 years old. So it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But I, I you know what? It's a hard decision. If gun to my head, if if you know it's someone that can help your team now and maybe a, a prospect or a draft pick, then I would do it. Um, but I'm not making Tampa Bay a better team right now. I'm not gonna make Boston a better team right now. If I'm trading him, I'm trading him outside. Oh, West. Of, of the conference. Yeah. I mean, who's who who would be interested? Would, would maybe Edmonton pivot now that they, you know, missed out on Ryan O'Reilly? Would that be someone that that would be interested? Edmonton's been in the talk for Bertuzzi. Dallas has been in talk for Bertuzzi. I could see maybe a team like L.A. be interested in a Tyler Bertuzzi. Like you said, though, I'm not trading him to Boston. I'm not trading him to Toronto. Tampa doesn't have the assets unless they're going to trade you a Sorelli and so you can shore up your center position. I would trade him out West because, one, I would hate for him to... I would hate to have to face him in the playoffs this year because I think Tyler Bertuzzi is a player. Granted, I'm saying trade him because... He's. I think his value is more than as far as he's going to get you in the playoffs. I think he's a player that is built for playoffs. And he's shown that in Grand Rapids. He was absolutely killer in Grand Rapids when they won the Calder. So I, I could see it, but I could, like I said, see a team like LA, a team like Edmonton, a team like Dallas be interested in a player like Tyler Bertuzzi because if you've got, on the Oilers, you've got Evander Kane, who's that tough player, kind of a piece of shit, but he's a tough player. If you add a Tyler Bertuzzi, who's also a tough player that can score, and you spread that down the lineup, your team becomes more deep. You're more impactful. You give you give Connor McDavid more space. You give Leon Dreisaitl more space. Then they become a little bit more of an effective team. Not to mention Zach Hyman's another shit disturber on that team. Sure, but to a lesser extent. So I think there's a case. I think there's several cases for trading Burt. I just don't like the case where we keep him to get bounced in the first round and then he walks. And I also am not for the case where a lot bunch of people yelled at me, sign him to a seven year deal or a six year deal. I'm not giving him a six by six. Not with the, not with his history. Not with his injury history either. You know, I mean, that's that, that's the thing. I mean, it's it sucks because he's a homegrown player. 
Um, I mean, but it's just you can't keep everybody. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, like th- this league. Breaking news: forty-two seconds ago, cat friendly Jacob Verana to the Grand Rapids Griffins. I don't get it. I get it. I get it. So Jacob, we'll, we'll talk about Jacob Verano now then. Jacob Verano played. He got in the lineup against the Caps. They did a cool tribute video to him. He played a simple game, was effective, didn't score, but was effective. And it looks like Lucas Raymond is ready to return. And Jacob Verano does not require waivers to go back to Grand Rapids. Everyone else would have had to go through waivers or you would have had to make a trade. And he doesn't because once you are waived once during the season and recalled, you have 30 days or 10 games to get sent back down without having to clear waivers again. So Jacob Rana back to Grand Rapids. Yeah, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Uh, especially considering, you know, he's, he's a former 30 goal scorer. He's shown that he can score goals. I know this year has been weird for him, you know, with whatever's going on. But I, I, I hate it, you know, I, especially for him, because I know I've, I've been a hockey player. I'm not saying that I played at that level, but I've been a hockey player who bounced from a premier team back down to an empire team, back to a premier team. It sucks. You get no there's no continuity. And, and in turn, your game goes to hell because it's hard to adjust when you're moving up and down and up and down. So it's on one hand, I understand it. In terms, like from Steve Eisenman's perspective, you know, you're not losing anybody for nothing and on waivers or anything like that. But at the same time, it's like you're just going to not have a potential 30 goal scorer in your lineup because you, you don't want to waive somebody else or trade somebody else or phantom injury someone else and put them on IR. I mean, come on, man. And the thing is, it's like, are you trying to trade Verona? Is that the thing? Is is that where we're at at this point? Like, what 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 more? And I'm not saying the guy came up and and did a fantastic job, but he didn't play bad at all. He played like he should have been back in the lineup tomorrow against the Rangers. And I would agree, but again, it's it's about business, man. And I feel for him because this has to suck for him because he did what he had to do to make his way back. Played well in Grand Rapids, made it back, sat games, gets back in, plays good, is not a liability. And then you get sat back down. And I'm sure, I am sure Iserman has these conversations with the players before it happens. Like, hey, it's what we have to do because we're not going to risk losing a piece for nothing by doing it. So just sit tight. But I mean, I guess it's still demoralizing because you, you thought you did everything. You got called back up. This was your chance. People said you were never going to play for the Red Wings again. You played a game and now you're back in Grand Rapids. So maybe we'll see. Maybe there is a trade at the deadline. Maybe Iserman does have a deal in place coming up or or several calls he's got to take because he said on the interview, most of his days now are filled with answering phone calls and calling on other players and taking calls on players because it's trade deadline. And I guess the other question is, too, if if Bertuzzi is moved, then Verona just slots right into his spot. Yeah, and and I would say that's probably correct. Uh, I didn't like the Bertuzzi, Larkin, Perron because I think Perron and Bertuzzi are both not super fleet of foot, and you're both kind of mucking it up kind of players. I I like I would have liked Verona to be on that top line. A Bertuzzi, Larkin, Verona line I think would have been fun. But you're right. If Bertuzzi is gone, then I think Verona could slot in there and and take those minutes, or even maybe Kubalik, Larkin, Raymond. And then maybe Veron on the second and, and see how that goes. But I feel for the dude because it's tough and it seems like he's done everything he can do to to make it right. And it's just it's not going his way. Does it me? Is it me? And I, I don't want to just, you know, criticize someone for something that they haven't done or it's just me kind of speaking out loud here. So don't take anything I say with context here, but it does it seem like Lalone doesn't like Verona that much? It seems like whenever kind of so it seems like whenever he's asked about him, he seems kind of annoyed. But he did say Verona after the game, he said Verona had a good game. Yeah, but before the game, he asked like uh, or they asked him basically, you know, Verona and, and, you know, what they expect of him. And, you know, he's like, oh, you know, we've seen what he can do in the NHL and, you know, this and that. But we know what kind of player he is. And, um just a bunch of stuff like that, basically kind of saying 
without saying it specifically, basically saying that he's a kind of a one-dimensional player. He's not a, a good defensive forward. But you don't need – everybody on – we've gone through this a million times, and, and we'll go through it again. You don't need every single player on your forward uh, – you know, in your forward group that that back checks every single shift. Yes, they should back check. You should get on them for back checking. But – not all of them are going to be what Dylan Larkin is like. You know what I mean? And I know he's a center, but but not everybody can be, um, you know, what Zadina tries to be sometimes. You know what I mean? Like where he he backchecks his ass off or, or what David Perron does. Um, not everyone can be like that. You know, it's just not in everyone's game. Michael Rasmussen, Rasmussen another one that, you know, backchecks his ass off as well. So not everyone needs to be a defensive player. You just need to show a little bit of effort. And maybe that's just what Verona lacks. Maybe that's why Newsy doesn't like him that much. I don't know. I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm just saying it It seems like every time he talks about, or that, you know, the media asks about Verona or Verona's name gets brought up, he seems aggravated by it. And I don't understand why. Yeah, I don't understand why. I guess it's just, again, it goes back to a lot of stuff we're never going to know about because there's no reason for us to know about it. I wonder, I, I just wonder if, if for some reason, and we're not, the personal stuff is what it is. We don't know exactly what it is, although I'm sure we can guess um, off air, but the situation is what it is. That, that situation has happened. It is what it is. We don't know about it. We don't, not, not to say we don't care about it. We do, but in, in terms of being in the lineup and stuff like that, that should have nothing to do with him playing in the lineup. And I understand flexibility wise, you need to you need to be able to send them down. But, you know, I wonder, will they call him back up tomorrow before the game? That's a possibility, too. Well, so it sounds like Lucas Raymond might be good to go. And that would be why in order to activate Lucas Raymond off of IR, you have to send someone down and make a roster spot. Yeah. And I was looking at the roster. There's not really much else you can do. I mean, there's no give because this is the other thing we're going to talk about tonight. Philip Zadina's back. And in the th- the games Philip Zadina's been back, he's looked good. He's he's effective. He's playing a defensive game. He scored a goal. He's got assists. Philip Zadina's looked effective. Now, more effective than he had looked because he is now like getting points, which is what we wanted out of him. But it's just it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And it's a good problem to have, right? Having too many NHL caliber players is always a good problem. I'm going to whisper in the mic and and just just so you understand. Philip Sedina is 23 years old. Do, do we forget that? Do, do we forget that? He's 23 years old. And I'm not saying that he's going to be that player that we thought he was going to be. We don't know that yet. But he's still got two more years on his deal at a pretty team-friendly contract. He wants to be in Detroit, it seems like. So the, the guy deserves an opportunity to be able to showcase himself on at least the third line. And, and you know, I, I understand they almost have too many of the same kind of players where they have Zadina, they have Verana and Bergeron who has been fantastic. So there's no reason Bergeron should come out of the lineup for any reason at this point, other than maybe Lucas Raymond coming in, if you want to have Verana and Zadina in the same lineup. But I mean, even then, I mean, you know, Bergeron has been fantastic. Someone said last night on Twitter though, he needs to put on some pounds if he's going to play in the playoffs. You know, he's, he he gets knocked off the puck a little bit too easy sometimes. He's also real good at stripping the puck, though. That's the other half of it. So he can he's got some Datsuk style takeaways. But yeah, you're right. I mean, he's a smaller guy, and I, he could put on weight, I guess. But I don't think he's going to put on a ton just because it's not built like that. Um, would you trade him for Timo Meyer? Um, I don't think so. It's it's see, this is where it gets like a tough ask they're going to probably want a young roster player or a young player that's close i think i think i would trade a a william wallander before i traded a Bergeron simply because we are packed in that lefty position we've got wallander we've got johansson we've got edvinson and i think it's it's worth an upgrade there and you might not have to give up much more in terms of picks if you traded a high caliber prospect like that. Now it could be the opposite because he's never played on North American ice and no one knows how close he is. I think I would trade a Wallander before I traded a Berger and right or a Bergen right now. If you say you had the contract in place with Meyer before you traded for him, you give up Bergen, you give up Verana, 
and you give up next year's first. That gets it done, I think. To me, Veron is still the question mark. I don't know who's taking him. I mean, we, we are not even playing him consistently. So I don't know who's taking if him. If he goes to San Jose, and I know there's, what, 25 games left or something like that. So he'll go to San Jose. He'll be on a really bad team. He'll be in the lineup, probably be in the top six because that team sucks. And he can show himself. You know, he's still got, what, one more year next year at 5.25? I'm not. The Wings aren't going to eat any of that contract. So the, whatever team would get him would have to, you know, take on that. But you get Verona, who has a 30-goal potential, or you could just flip him in the offseason, you know, if, if he plays well, if you're San Jose, because you're trying to acquire as many assets as possible. They're in the same situation Detroit was in, you know, several years ago. Then you get Bergeron, who's a young forward, and you get that first-round pick for next year. And then Detroit would, would have a eight-year deal for Meyer in place, a guy that scored 32, goal, 32 goals last year and has 31 right now. Or did he have 35 last year? Now it's 31. Either way, he's been a 30-goal scorer now two years in a row, and he's, what, 24 years old, 25 years old? So I, I think about it. If I'm the Wings and and San Jose comes calling and, you know, Timo Meyer is available, as, as has been reported, I like Timo Meyer. I don't know how you feel exactly about Timo Meyer. He's 26 years old, by the way. And he had 35 last year and has 31 this year. He's got uh, he had seven, finished the season with 76 points last season. He has 52 on the season so far. And who is the last Wings go- player to score 30? Was it? Bertuzzi and Athena Bertuzzi and Larkin and oh and Larkin that's right that's right that's right so I think that's that we're kind of the Red Wings are kind of in a stuck position right now and it's a good stuck position like I've said you've got too many NHL level players good NHL level players that you've got to make hard decisions like keeping Jacob Vrana potential 35 40 goal scorer down in the AHL putting a Zadina back in who seems to be getting some confidence back I mean, Larkin getting tossed and fined $5,000, which I thought was complete bullshit, uh, that that the team was able to win without him. And that's a hard thing to do because he's been their best player this whole season. Yeah, I was just going to say they deserve a lot of credit this year for being where they're at right now, considering Bertuzzi's been out. Ron has been going through some stuff. They've had other injuries. Raymond's been out for a bit now here. Um, they haven't had Larkin they didn't have Larkin last night. So they've had some injuries. Cider hasn't been the same guy since he was last year um, until he started playing with Jake Wallman. So there's been some trials and tribulations of this season. And and for them to be in this situation right now, it's almost like mind boggling. And I think we'll end tonight with this. We got a little shorter of a show, but I think we'll end tonight with this. Before that Washington game, the Red Wings had about a 10% chance of making the playoffs. If you went back like two weeks, the Red Wings had like a 1% chance of making the playoffs. Uh, a few days ago, they had a 10% chance. After that Washington game, according to uh, Michael McCurdy at Ineffective Math on uh, Twitter, the Red Wings are sitting at a 21.2% chance to make the playoffs. That just showcases you how important each win is down the stretch, kind of lined up with how other teams are doing. So the power play right now without Barzal for the Islanders looks like hot garbage. And the Islanders are going to suffer for having Barzal out. He was He's one of their better players every night. Now the Bo Horvat will help. But right now, Bo Horvat is effectively Barzal's replacement. And you're back to square one there as the Islanders. So not fun. They could drop. Washington's dropping without Ovi. Pitt's losing games. It'll be really interesting down the stretch. And you had mentioned Florida, who is has 31.4% chance of missing the playoffs. But if they keep losing games, their chance goes down too. And the wings yeah. seem hot right now, while the other teams around them seem to be having some pretty good issues. Yeah, and the, the Islanders are beating the, the Jets right now. It's seven minutes left in the third period, two to one. So that's interesting. I mean, yeah, they're... They're right there. I mean, they're knocking on the door. A lot of things that have to go right are going right for the Wings. But, you know, the most important thing and, you know, the common theme here, you need to win. And I know you have a tough schedule, but you need to win. You have um, the Rangers coming into town tomorrow night. Then you have Saturday night 
against Tampa, and then you have back-to-back games against Ottawa. Those games right there, those four games, are going to take you pretty much to the trade deadline, right? So at that point, you'll know. If you're six or eight points out of it, all bets are off at that point. You're not trading Larkin, but you're trading Bertuzzi. You know, there's there's a lot of different things that are going to happen. You know, say you were to fall out of it, I don't think they're going to. I think they're they're playing really well right now, but but you never know. Nice. Give me your final thoughts. Um, I just want to say one thing. We were I was looking at the uh, the San Jose roster, and uh, Doug Wilson gave the Sharks a nice parting gift on his way out of town, signing Tomas Hurdle to a what was it a, an eight year deal worth eight point one three seven per year. That might be like, like what in the world was he thinking there? And why would Hurdle even sign that considering where the Sharks were? Because that's a lot of money for a guy who has 47 points on the season. uh, He could. I mean, he he had a breakout season, not not really breakout because in 2018, 19, he had 74 points and 77. But last season he had 64 and 82. And now he's got 47 and 55. If they offer you that when he probably should have gotten, I don't know, six and a half to maybe seven million at the most. I mean, I'm taking that all day. Yeah, but at what cost to be on a horrific team like the Sharks? That team, like, th- just looking You're at that team. You're living in California making $8 million a year. That's true. And, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just, th- that's a bad parting gift on the way back, uh, on the way out of town by, by Doug Wilson. My goodness gracious. And the, the Couture one looks miserable, too. You know, he's got four more years at $8 million, like, they're in cap hell. The sharks. Are your final thoughts just dunking on the Sharks? Dunking on the Sharks. I love to see this. No, my final thoughts are this is going to be a fun a fun run. You know, hopefully they can get in. Hopefully they can continue to play well. Like I said, you got the Rangers and then Tampa and then Ottawa times too. So you'll know where you're at. Um, but yeah, no, those are my final thoughts. Hopefully we can we can keep talking positively about the wings because it, it's been a long time since we've we've talked positively on these airwaves talking talking about the detroit red wings so i'm glad we're here um but you can follow me on twitter at seal dog 91 my final thoughts are going to be uh tighten up guys just buckle in and it, get ready for it because it's going to be an absolutely insane ride start voting or voting start rooting against the teams that are uh, right in line with us and start rooting for teams that are going against them. You mean like Winnipeg right now against the Islanders? Yeah, let's go Winnipeg. Power play <laughs> for Winnipeg right now. But you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You follow Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. Uh, we have a contest going on right now. If you go over to our page right now with uh, Sports Gym, we are giving away a Yuri Fisher signed puck. So go enter that contest. Uh, you can follow the Hockey Podcast Network at Hockey Podnet. We thank them for hosting us and spreading us around. We also like to thank Vintage Detroit for just being awesome. It's the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked at. If you use a promo code GRINDLINE on uh, Howie's Hockey Tape, you'll get 10% off your order. Use that same promo code on Bring Hockey Back, you'll get 12% off your order. You can check out our merch at redbubble.com by searching the GRINDLINE. We've got a bunch of t-shirts up there. Get them in time for a playoff run. And you can check us out on YouTube. Just search the GRINDLINE. Follow us and hit the notification button. I will be posting updates as they come out. I will be live tweeting the trade deadline. Next week, we have JJ from Kansas uh, from Wing and Motown on the show. And on the 6th, the Monday following trade deadline, we will have Daniela Bruce on to break everything down. But that is going to do it for us tonight. So for Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.